0: I've started a series um, entitled the world is watching in this series the very first message in his in his series he talked about the world is watching how we respond or how we handle difficult people or difficult situations in the second message he talked about the world is watching how we handle the new the end, end of times because People were panicking and going crazy. And as believers, we have a peace because we already know the end before the beginning. So the world is watching how we respond, our posture, our position in everything that is going on in the world. How are we responding? And last week was the third message. And he talked about the world is watching to see if we believe what we say We believe, isn't that powerful? Because there are times that we're faced with situations, and we we believe, we say we believe something, but our actions show something different. I have been guilty of that. I have said things that I believe and then I found out in the midst of pressure that my actions was not in alignment with my belief. So the world is watching to see if we really believe what we say we believe. Today I am going to family be bringing the fourth message in this sermon series entitled The world is watching to see how we respond to criticism. Can I say that again? The world is watching to see how we, you and I, respond to criticism. Now, I am going to try my best to minister to you without being too emotional. Are too excited because I don't want to leave you and go somewhere else and don't take you on this journey with me I really want to bring you on this journey with me because lately it seems as if the Lord has been having me minister from the place where he's been ministering to me and and from this place this place has caused me to be uh, to operate in the level of extreme obedience but also another uh, dimension of transparency and if I can be honest with you, family I must say to you that this has been very uncomfortable I was talking to a group of women this week and I was like it's really easy for me to talk to other people about their problems and diagnose them with their issues and tell them the things that they need to do in their life and give them wisdom but for me to sit down and talk about me it's hard to say Lord I'm struggling with this or Lord this really hurt me this way when they said this or Lord I really don't want to deal with what I'm dealing with right now so I'm talking to you I'm ministering to you from a place of transparency and while I've been in this place one of the things that I discovered that from this place from me going into this place of really following God and not really knowing what he's doing not really understanding why he's doing what he's doing in my life and not really understanding the next moves until he say move From this place, as I begin to minister, I have discovered that the people who are open and ready to receive has also received the fruit of this has been glory glory going into different places people have been able to experience the glory of the Lord and that's just scripture because the Bible says that if you suffer with me can I talk to somebody this morning that if you suffer with me if you endure suffering with me he says that you're going to reign with me and glory and I'm talking to some people in this house some men some women some children some little boy some little girl that you may have been experiencing some seasons in your life and some things in your life that you cannot articulate and you can't you don't have the language for but you know that the end of that thing has got to be glory because where I've been is not where I'm going to be and so I'm declaring to you today that where we are where you are where I am God is asking us to give him everything To give him everything I've seen people be delivered from me being honest about what I'm going through I'm just telling you I know you thought I had it all together and that's a great compliment but really I don't there are times that I struggle with even standing up here every day every time I get up here the last time feel the every it feels like the first time every time And I'm like God will I ever get over to the other side of ministry where I'm just so confident that it's just good I'm ready to go and people like I can't believe that yes ma'am yes sir the process for me getting up here because I don't want to say anything out of my own flesh I don't want to mislead anybody and say something that's going to cause them to be pushed away from God and not really come into real relationship with him so my dependency is not on Erica my dependency is on you Lord if you don't move then that's nothing going to happen today our gathering will be in vain if you don't say a thing then there's nothing I have to say but Lord I believe that you can do it again I believe that you can move again. I believe they were singing that I still believe that you work miracles. I still believe that you're able uh, to do the impossible. He is able. And so my dependency this morning is not necessarily on me. I hate to disappoint you, but my dependency is on God. It's on him. Everything that I have this morning, I am totally depending on him. I've studied I prayed. I've labored. I've fasted. I've laid out before God. I've done all of those things. But at the end of the day, if He doesn't move, then you know all of that would be in vain. It's all about Him. At the end of the day, it's just surrender. It's yielding. Like God, have Your way. Have Your way. So I'm going to move right along. In the 1990s, there was a movement that started with a young lady um, in a church called Calvary Re- 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 Reformed Church out of Michigan. Okay. In the 1990s, there was a movement by this lady that was started in the church. She had a youth group. She was a youth leader. And the tr- the, the movement started out of Michigan. Now, this movement um, was the highlight of this movement was this acronym entitled WWJD. How many of you guys remember that? So from this movement, um, the, the, there were bracelets. There were different things, uh, magnets. All of these things came as a result of this movement. And WWJD uh, stood for What Would Jesus Do? So the, the the purpose of this movement or the goal of this movement was to remind the youth, when faced with challenging situations, our people. That you should both reflect and imitate the teachings of Christ. So before you respond or before you react, you need to think about what would Jesus do? And so not only did the young people benefit from this movement, but some adults, some older people caught wind of it and they began to move in this direction. And so this movement again was something that will provide a reminder that whenever you're faced with something and we're talking about today criticism, think about how would Jesus respond? So as a mentor, I actually begin to look at this from the perspective of a mentor because I am a mentor. So when you think about a mentor, what exactly does that mean? It means someone who guides, someone who instructs, someone who counsels, someone who corrects. And for all, all of these things are done for the purpose of development or to bring someone into an area of growth. But listen now not only am I a mentor I am also a mentee I am being mentored by our leaders and so while I'm being mentored by them it also helps me to understand that I have to also be accountable for my actions I'm holding people accountable and they're holding me accountable and I want to bring it home because you may say, "Well, I don't have a mentor at this moment in my life." You may not be able to name name a person a mentor, but all of us should be committed to being mentored by Jesus. All of us should be committed to being g- mentored by Jesus. He is the greatest mentor you will ever have. The Bible says, well, not the Bible says, Erica says, as we look into the life of Jesus, we find out the way he responds in the face of criticisms. We see that the way Jesus responds to critics, we find that his words were few yet powerful and profound. He didn't talk a lot when he was in the face of criticism, but when he did speak, it was something that was astounding and confounding. And the results of that invoke either retaliation or repentance. And so we should look at the life of Jesus. We can see as we begin to look into his life, we see that he was a man of integrity. We see that he was a man of intentionality. He did not waste his words. Neither did he waste his time. He said what he meant and he meant what he said. And this is the person that I want to be like when it comes to facing the world with criticism. It also says that he did everything with the end in mind. He didn't go into something without thinking about the full scope of it, the full picture. He thought about how how things are going to turn out who's going to be affected by my response by what I say by what I do because he was a man of intentionality so what exactly does this mean to you and me as his mentees why should we care that the world is watching How we respond to criticism why should it matter to you and me because our response is a reflection of his response and the results of that response will either lead someone to Christ or away from Christ can I say that again we should care that the world is watching how we respond to criticism because our response is a reflection of his response and how we respond is either leading someone to Christ or away from Christ. The Bible says it like this in Matthew 5 and 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the father which is in heaven. If my light is shining, meaning let your light so shine, meaning let your light be so bright that when they see you, they cannot, they cannot miss the fact that there's something different about you because you carry the light. And on the inside of you, it draws me to who you are, not because of who you are, but who you're carrying on the inside of you. So let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they may glorify. It points directly back to the Father, which is in heaven. And then he says that you are... If it go up a little bit further in verse 14, he said, you are the light of the world. And then he says that you are a city that sits on a hill that cannot be hid. Now, the fact that he says you are that speaks to our identity. And I'm going to get into identity in a minute, but he says that you are, you are the light of the world. And then he goes on to say that you are a city that sits, that is set. That's what it S E T that is set with speech to position and posture. But it's set on a hill that cannot be hid. The fact that it's on a hill, it speaks to its visibility and it also speaks to its ability because it says that what's on the inside of you, family, cannot be hid. What's on the inside of you cannot be put under a bushel, cannot be covered up because it's so bright that even when you try to cover it up, it's like Rudolph, your nose is so bright. Won't you drive my slave tonight? His nose was so bright. that he, You know, it's a fairy tale story, but I just want to use it for the message, y'all. Stop now. But when we have a light that is so bright, no matter where we go, in the workplace, come on, in the marketplace, in our family, we're going to stand out. So why do you think they're going to criticize you? Because people criticize what they do not understand. There's something different about you. I've got to poke at that thing that's different to make you second guess who you are. But you are a light. Remember your identity. You are a light that sitting on the hill that cannot wait a minute. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say that I am the light of the world? So how is it that which is true God? Which one is true? You said that I am a light and then you say that you are the light. Which one is true? Both are true. Why is that true? Why are both true? Because the fact is that he is the source and we are the reflection. Come on, come on. Our light comes from him and we reflect who he is. We just got done declaring our declaration. He's the source and we are the reflection. You really can't, the the sun is like a billion miles away, maybe even more than that. And if you try to get really close to the sun, you will die. You will, you will die. You cannot get that close to the sun because the sun is the source, and everything else reflects the light from the sun, the S U N. But everything else that we do reflects the light from the S O N. He is the light of the world, and because He is our source, we reflect who He is on the inside. Of us, and I came to tell somebody this morning that you come from God so you get to operate in this earth like God you are a representation a represent a re Present, a representation of who he is. I know that so many people, and maybe even we've been that person that we've not represented him well, but he said, I am representing myself through you. I am representing myself through you. So, those things that were old in the past that maybe you responded a certain type of way, the God, God says today after this revelation that you're going to understand that he is representing himself. Re means to do again. He is representing himself to the world through you. Maybe they've seen some things that were not good but I am repackaging myself on the inside of you because you come from me so you get to reflect who I am you see God never asked us to do something that he's not graced us to do and I've struggled with that in the past I'm like God this is too much and you know I can't do this and and, and then he began to talk to me about covenant obviously you don't really know what covenant means because if if you understood covenant you would know that I am working with you I'm not asking you to do anything on your own the Bible says lo I will be with you always even until the very end of this world so I came to just stop for a minute just to tell somebody who's been struggling and feeling lonely I feel you this morning and feel as if you're by yourself in this Thing. the Lord says that you are not alone I am right there with you even when you wept in the hours in the night and nobody was there the Lord says I was there I was there consoling you you may not have felt me but I was right there right there right there so we're gonna get into a little bit about criticism but before we get into that the Lord wants me to remind you that we are reflection we are his reflection and his representatives in the world but what does that mean the world because you can't really reach the whole world um, in a traditional sense of reaching the world but the Lord has given you a sphere of influence God has given you a world to reach. Maybe your family is a world. Maybe those that are on your job is a world. Maybe those, your employees are your world. Maybe those that you, your children are, those that you lead are, are in the marketplace. Whatever your sphere of influence is, that's your world. And the Lord says, go into that world and reflect my glory and represent me and be my light and let them see Jesus in you because you are a reflection of who I am. So, in the face of criticism, we are still called to reflect his glory. So, let's get into what it is. What exactly is criticism? What does it mean to be criticized? I'm, I'm sure many of you have definitions of what criticism is, but this is just like a base definition. When you think about criticism, criticism is the expression of disapproval or someone, that someone may be you, or something. Uh, that may be a work of something that you've done, based on perceived faults and mistakes. Now, I want you to think about that word "perceived." Perceived doesn't mean that it's real. Perceived doesn't mean that it's actual. It's what they think it is. It's through their eyes. It's their opinion. It is their expression of disapproval of you, or. Some of you may be on the other end of that. Your expression of disapproval of someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes. So let's get into some more definitions of uh, criticism. Criticism can also be verbal or nonverbal. It can be constructive or destructive. And verbal is simply self explanatory. When you're experiencing criticism from the verbal side of something, it says that it's done without, it says it's done with words. Maybe it's something that was said to you, even in the form of an email. I, I had an experience with that this, uh, this week that I may or may not share. But when you experience criticism um, from a verbal standpoint, it says that words are released. Something is said to you. Something is done to you in the form of words. It is verbal. It's something that you can hear. It is something that you are aware of. Now, nonverbal, again, is self-explanatory. It says that something is communicated to you. Without words, what are some ways that someone can criticize you in a non verbal means? They can body language, looks, come on, sneering, um, silence, awkward silence, silent treatment. You know, they may not like something that you did, and instead of responding, they go silent on you. Y'all know what I mean? That's really a form of abuse as well. But uh, criticism can be uh, nonverbal. And there are, are things also uh facial expressions, tones or pauses in speech. Like they stop talking in the in the middle of the conversation because they want to make sure that you know that they disapprove of you or your work. Now, let's get to the other part about criticism. It can be constructive or destructive let's think about that word constructive when I think about constructive I really think about construction so when something is constructive it says that it builds me up how in the world can criticism build me up really the definition alone kind of contradicts what I'm saying but let's look at criticism in the form of feedback right positive feedback so when criticism is constructive it says that it builds you up it gives that feedback that provides specific recommendations on how to make positive improvements okay so when it is building me up it is not attacking me it is actually the goal or the attitude the intent of it is different the intent is to build and not to tear down okay so if you look at that definition then you know that destructive is the opposite, opposite which means that when criticism is giving in the form of dis- in a destructive nature it says that it's tearing me down it is attacking the person not the problem the intention is to harm or to insult the person and some people may say, "Well, they didn't know. They didn't understand. They knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they said. The intentions were real. It was there." But how do we respond to that as believers? Let us get into uh, a, little bit, a little bit more. I want to get you to turn here to First Peter two and five. Well, you actually don't have to turn. You can read it on the on the screen. But we, before we get there, I want to kind of give you a backdrop of what's happening here um, just to give you to come, some context of how Jesus' mentee, who is the Apostle Peter, says we should respond to criticism. Now, here's the backdrop. The Apostle Peter is writing uh, this epistle, which is translated as a letter. He is writing this letter to believers who were experiencing extreme persecution and criticism under a world system and world leaders who were influenced by Satan and their main goal was to tear the Christians or the believers of that day apart. They were upset with them. They didn't like them. They accused them of things that were not true. And so Peter's writing, the apostle Peter's writing is to encourage them to continue in the faith. He was encouraging them and his attempt was to strengthen them so they can live victoriously in the face of hostility and criticism. And so he was telling them that the only way that you're going to overcome this, that you've got to be consistent in the word of God. And he said to them, despite of what's happening, um, the way that you're going to silence your critics or silence the accuser, that you have to make sure that you align with the word because they're trying to find a reason to discredit you. And they're trying to find some way to destroy your witness. And so the way that you've got to respond has to be the way that Jesus would respond. He spoke to them about their identity. He spoke to them about not getting bitter. And he spoke to them about trusting in the Lord and not giving up while they're waiting for his return. He was strengthening them. It sounds like what we are experiencing right now. It sounds like what's happening with the church right now. And so here is a letter of encouragement and I want you to I want to draw your attention to listen to what he is saying. He tells them what to do and he tells them why they should do it, okay? So in verse 15, it, he says, "For it is the will of God that by doing right, that's what to do, doing right. You may silence, muzzle, gag, that's the amplified version. The culpable ignorance and irresponsible criticism of foolish people that's why you do it what you do you do right why you do it because you're silencing them you got it and then if you go down to verse 16 he says also this is what to do live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil, meaning don't be deceptive. We were talking about integrity this morning. You know, it, despite that God is with you, we don't use grace as a license to sin or get away or do things that we shouldn't do. You know, be honest about what you're doing, be accountable for your actions. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil, but use it and live as bond servants of God, meaning that you belong to someone one that you're accountable to him that's what to do another thing what to do verse 17 show respect for all people treat them honorably love the brotherhood of believers for fear God and honor the king it really sounds like some of our core values here at destiny like building a culture of honor even though people may not be honorable that we still have a responsibility as a believer to be honoring you know um, people may you know do whatever you know they may do some things that may rub you the wrong way so to speak but as believers he says still show respect for all people what is all people that means the mean people the disrespectful people everybody All types of people, all kinds of people, everybody. So I want to go down a little bit to verse 18 and 19. It's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you uh, because this is going to give us the last portion of why we should do it. And it just speaks to favor. In verse 18, it says, servants, be submissive to your masters with all proper respect. Not only to those who are good and kind, but also to those who are unreasonable. That's what to do. And here's verse 19, what he says, why we should do it for this. You find favor. If a person endures sorrow of suffering unjustly because of an awareness of consciousness, to God what is that saying that it's saying that you're not God favors us but his favor is not upon us just because we're doing something because we were we were wrong but when you know that you're right and you still choose not to respond wrong to a person that is doing you wrong God says I found favor in you that my, my eyes are turned towards you. You found grace in my sight because I know you could have responded that way, but you used the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. And that's favor, I find that favorable. I'm gonna tell you some things, y'all. Can I be honest with you, family? There are, there was a time in my life and I remember going on a mission trip and Lord, I was a firecracker, if I can be honest with y'all. I believe that mission trip was God's way of really delivering me. Uh, because I was, I went on the mission trip. I had been fasting and laying out before God and God spoke to me. He said, yeah, you're supposed to go here. And I was ready. I was excited about the mission trip and I thought I was delivered from my mouth and then I went on the mission trip, and there was a missionary there, and I felt like uh, she was getting over and trying to take advantage of us. And I was like, "Oh Lord Jesus, discernment is kicking in." And Lord, she, mm-mm. and so I'm really, really saying, "Lord, like this, this lady say one more thing, like one more thing." And so I'm, y'all, please don't look at me like that. I, I'm still safe. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm being honest and transparent. And so we were there on this trip, and she's asking for money, and I had given, we had given her everything. It was just like it was. Different. It's not like that everywhere, but then in this place, it was that way. And so I, I said, God, I got to pray because, um, like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. And so I started getting silent because I know that if I would have said something, it would have been the wrong thing. And so we're getting ready to go um, we were in this van it was the van was so raggedy y'all and we were traveling miles it was cutting off and cutting back on I'm like oh Jesus where are we is animals crossing the street we're in the desert it was just crazy and so I'm sitting there um, in the van and all of a sudden um, I had already stopped not say I stopped talking to the lady I actually was giving her silent treatment if I can be honest y'all please forgive me I'm just God has already forgiven me I'm just confessing and so um, I, I wouldn't say anything to her because I wasn't ready to talk to her I didn't want to say the wrong thing so I said I'm just not gonna say anything and she was talking around me she was throwing hints about still about money throwing hints and I'm like oh god um, and so we are sitting there in the van and the Lord said to me he said this van is not moving until you get that right and I said um I wasn't wrong <laughs> I said, God, it's all her fault. She did this. And, you know, I'm telling him, you know how we do when we go into prayer. I'm like, God, she did this and she did that. And he said, no, I'm telling you that the van is not moving until you get it right. And so I said, okay, God. So I had to swallow my pride and I had to humble myself. And I said, hey, I said, can I talk to you for a second? Um, and the lady, she was like, "I'm um, sure, yeah. And so we went and walked away from the van. While we're walking away from the van, the missionary, the, the male missionary was there working on the van, trying to get things repaired. And she and I began to talk, and we realized that what we were upset with each other over was a misunderstanding. It was something that was communicated wrongly to both of us. And by at the end of us talking and learning what was the real issue after we resolved the conflict after talking it through we realized you know that this really it wasn't really us you know we're good and so by as we were turning back I'm not lying to you as we were turning back to go back to the van the van was working and I said well my god you were serious about that (laughs) But I'm saying that to say this. I actually forgot why I said that. I forgot why I told y'all that. Do y'all remember? Favor. Did I say favor? Come on now. Come on help me, brother. So yeah, it was just a favor of God. God turns his attention on us when we respond to a situation, even when we're in the midst of us doing getting done wrong it's not what's done to us it's how we respond to what's done to us y'all got it so um, in this I want to kind of give some quotes Um, this is a quote that I got off um, from TD Jakes years ago I began to scroll through my timeline and I saw that there was something that he he said and I actually reposted it I thought it was so awesome it says that if you get drunk off the praises of men you will drown in the criticism. If you get drunk, if you are intoxicated by praises, if you're intoxic- intoxicated by men validating you and saying that good job and giving you a get a, 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 a boy, whatever you call it. Y'all know what you call it? Attaboy. Come on here. If you if you rejoice over those things, people saying something good about you that when they begin to talk about you and say bad things about you or destruct something that you've done, you're going to drown in their criticism. And so we got to understand that we appreciate their praises. I appreciate my family the way you guys encourage me. I appreciate everything you do for me, but my validation does not come from you. My validation comes from God. And here's my quote. This is what I said. When our affirmation comes from the highest place, we will overcome the challenges we face. Did y'all hear that? When I, when our affirmation comes from the highest place, where is the highest place? That comes from God. The Bible says of Jesus before he performed one miracle before he performed one sign before he did anything the Bible says when he was baptized in the Jordan River as he was coming up the Bible says that God the heavens were open and the the Lord and God began to speak from heaven and say this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased I don't know about you but there's nothing like laying in the presence of the Lord and he says Erica I love you you are my daughter you are my child I love you just the way you are there is nothing you've got to do to make me fall deeper and deeper in love with you my love for you is unconditional because you are my creation I created you in my image and my likeness to look like me to walk like me to talk like me and there is nothing you can do that stops me from loving you so when you're going through a situation and you can't see your way I understand that my affirmation comes from the highest place and when when it comes from God you can't take it away from me You may change your mind about me one day. I may not do something that you like for me to do. I may not preach the way you want me to preach that particular day. But I'm not preaching for you, though I'm preaching to you. I am preaching for him. Everything we do is for his glory. It's for his glory. And so we see how Jesus is meant he respond what tells us that we should respond in the face of criticism but then I want to take you to something to how our mentor Jesus responds in the face of criticism but before I take you there I want to say this to you that criticism challenges our identity to prevent us from walking in authority criticism challenges our identity. To prevent us from walking in authority. What is your identity? It is who you are. It is what you carry and where you are assigned, who you are at the end of the day. The base of who you are is a child of God, a son or a daughter. Okay. no, it's not about you being a mom or being a dad or being a boss or being uh, whatever you do or whatever your role is. That is not who you are. That may be a part of who you are. But at the end of the day, we are sons and we are daughters of the most high God. And there is nothing that we can do to change. Well, there are things, but we are God's children and he loves us just the way we are. Just the way we are. So, the base of who you are is a son and a daughter. You are my child. How do you, how, how, would you stop, would you divorce your child because they don't perform on the soccer field the way you wanted them to? Will you stop talking to your child because they made a mistake? God wouldn't do that to us. He said you are my creation I created you to look like me I created you to walk like me my attributes my DNA is on the inside of you and so at the base of who we we are we are God's children identity also speaks to what we carry and where we are signed now if you want to really know about identity um, it says that identity is connected this is what the Lord says to me he said your identity is connected to your ability okay it's the ability, is the grace, the skill, the way God has wired you the thing that he's giving you to do. Some people are trying to find purpose, but your purpose is attached, number one, to Christ, to live for God, to love God, to be kingdom ambassadors in the earth. But your identity is connected to your ability. And all of us in this room have different abilities, right? There are things that you are good at that I may not be so good at. There are strengths and weaknesses that all of us have, but that's connected to our identity. It's connected to our ability. The Bible says that he has blessed us according as as he has chosen us. So God didn't bless some people with, let me see what I don't have so y'all won't feel like I'm picking on y'all. I have everything. I'm just playing. (laughs) Let me see some things that the Lord didn't gift or grace me with. I can't think of anything right now that I want to tell y'all about. But there are some things that I do not have. There are some things that you do not have. And it's purposely this way because that's how we are identified. God's, uh, God's, God's, uh, your, your fingerprint. There's no one fingerprint the same in this room. Even your children don't have the same fingerprint as you. Because God created you to be different. God created you to stand out. You are the light of the world. So our identity is connected to our ability. But watch this. It is revealed or discovered through humility. I will never know. Some people may say, well, I know who I am. But there's more to you than what meets the eye. There's more to you than what's sitting right here in this room. There's more to you than what you do in your profession. I've discovered lately that God has graced uh, me with some things that I wasn't even aware of but that's when Holy Spirit began to highlight who he is and who you are in Christ because it's a kingdom identity before we came to this world I believe that Christ began to speak to our spirit and said Courtney you will go into the earth and you will do this he said he began to say Alan you will go into the earth and you will do this Rochelle when you get to the earth he spoke to your spirit and said you will do this how do you know that the Bible says to Jeremiah before I formed you I knew you in your mother womb and I ordain you to be a prophet unto the nations now all of us are not prophets but all of us can prophesy we can declare some things over our world we can declare some things over our children we can declare some things over our lives our identity is connected to our ability and you will never know who you really are it will never be revealing to you until you humble yourself and say God who am I and where I am I? I don't know about you, but I've had identity crisis in my life. I've had some moments that I didn't want to. And I'm, I'm just being transparent. I'm telling you, I'm in this place now. I'm out here. So y'all can love me, hate me, but I'm just telling you this is my truth. I've had some moments that I didn't even want to preach. Can y'all believe that? I said, God, I don't want to do that. Let me do this. I feel more comfortable doing this. This is what I enjoy doing. But as I begin to discover, as I begin to be honest with God about where I, I was, He begins to show me the impact. And listen, when you do this, this is not just about you, daughter. This is way bigger than you. There's a whole generation of people that are waiting for you to open up your mouth and declare what I've declared unto you. And I prophesy in this room that there is a whole generation of people that are waiting for you to obey God, to submit to his will concerning your life. And there's going to be major impact when you yield to his purpose, not your own. The Bible says that He has called us according to His purpose. I'm wrapping up. He said He's called us according to His purpose. So, criticism challenges our identity to prevent us from walking in authority because when I know who I am, I can step into a room. And I can govern and dominate where I am. I don't have to act like I'm a pauper when I know that I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm a queen. I own the whole palace because my daddy owns it. Come on, the Bible says that our daddy, our father, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So I don't have to operate from a poverty mindset, acting like as if I'm beneath or I'm less than because I'm connected to a kingly priest. I'm connected to a kingly order. I'm connected to someone that. Bible says that we are joint heirs with Christ come on we are joint heirs with Christ that means that everything that Christ has I have everything that he's declared concerning my life everything that he's done I can do the worst that I do you shall do also and greater worse than these because I go into my father I'm wrapping up as we look at Luke chapter 23 and this is where I've asked you guys to turn Because I want you to see this. Luke chapter 23, and verses 34 through 43. There's never been a time that I've sat down and read the story of Jesus. We say story, or the account of Jesus' crucifixion that have not moved me to tears. As I really begin to look at listen to I can't even really watch the movies and I know it really doesn't depict everything or capture everything that really transpired but as as I began to sit down and listen to his response and all of the ridicule and the things that were done to him it always moved me to a place of tears because I, I question myself God I don't know if I would have been able to go to the cross like you did and it really wouldn't matter anyway because it had to be him but Think about the cross that you've carried in your own life, the times that you were ridiculed, the times that you were put to shame, the times that people said things to you that hurt you or caused uh, you to feel embarrassed or feel shame and that you carry those things and the way you carry those things. Think about how he did it. Let's just listen to the words. The Bible says, now when we come jumping out right out of the gate, Jesus is already talking about forgiveness. Now, there were so many things that already transpired. They had already taken him uh, through Caiaphas. He had already gone through Herod. He had already gone like the Bible. Some people call it judgment hall to judgment hall. He had already been judged. They didn't find any fault. They had already uh, done all the different things, mocking him and uh, saying all these different things to him. But I believe even before this uh, that there were times that uh, he even uh, when When Herod began to question him, the Bible talks about how when Herod came to him, he was so excited to see Jesus, not because he cared about who he is. He wanted to see him perform some miracle. He was trying to make it open spectacle of him. So he was mocked. He was talked about. He was criticized. He criticized. And by the time he get here, he's in his getting ready to be in his last moments. So look at it from that lens. It says, Jesus said, Coming right out the gate, look at his response. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watch. Think about it. The world is watching. The crowd watch and the leaders scoff. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was placed above him with these words. This is, not he is, but this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. Verse 40. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Verse 42. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. If we look at how Jesus responded to criticism, we would find that the first thing he did right off the bat, he chose to forgive. But why did he forgive? This statement says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What he was really saying, in essence, is, Father, forgive them, for they don't know who I am. Yeah. See, Jesus understood his identity. And it made it easier or easy for him to forgive. How do you know this? The Bible says that in 2 Corinthians, it says, "Hath they known? They didn't know. Had they known they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. So Jesus understood that they were ignorant. He understood where they were and he also understood his purpose he knew who he was he knew what he carried he knew what he was assigned to he knew for this purpose he came into the earth the Bible says that he he said in Psalm I believe that I behold I come in the volume of the book it is written of me he knew what his purpose was to go to the cross that he may save and resurrect many sons and daughters so I'm not going to abort my assignment based on how I'm being handled in this season that's for somebody come on you may be mishandled but at the end of the day what I'm doing is so much bigger than what you're doing and guess what I told the enemy from now on you are working for me because the Bible says that all things work together for the good of them who love God and called according to his purpose this light affliction which is but for a moment is working for me a four more exceeding an eternal weight of glory come on what you've been going through is about to release glory on your life there will be glory after this I said there will be glory after this I don't know what your this is this morning but I came to prophesy in this room that there will be glory after this because the enemy don't realize that he's working for you he don't realize he thinks that he, he think that he's working against you but I came to give you a revelation that he's working for you. The Bible says that if the thief be found, all you got to do is find a thief. The Bible says that if the thief be found, he has to return sevenfold. I came to tell somebody that devil that's been stealing your healing, that devil that's been attacking your mind, that devil that's been attacking your children before you cast them out. You say, come here, devil, before you leave, I want you to put back everything you stole and then I want you to get out and never come back again. If the thief be found, he has to return sevenfold i got to return this morning. you got to return this morning. So when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, then it makes it easier for me to overcome the challenges I'm facing. When I understand that God is on my side, then it doesn't matter who's against me. Because the Bible says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Or what can be against you I don't know what you're going through this morning but I came to tell you that you've got to go back to your identity you got to know who you are as a child of the most high God you got to know how God called you you got to know how he see you not how they define you Larry said this morning that people do not get to define you God does come on it doesn't matter what their definition of you is come on God has already scratched that out come on my definition is different I don't believe it I don't receive it it, I don't reject it it's false and it's not true That's right. yeah. it's about how God says that you are and so we're getting ready to wrap up but I want to tell you some effects family criticism but crit again we know that criticism challenges our identity to prevent us from walking in authority the whole goal of criticism is to make us feel less than or to make us timid that when we show up we're not fully present we're showing up but we're not really there but when you really know who you are I know that I've been challenged but I also know that I had a talk with Jesus last night come on and he told me I began to tell him about my troubles and he began to tell me about his victory come on the Bible says thanks be unto God who always called us a try up in him I don't know about you this morning but you when you begin to talk to Jesus come on you may bring him your problems but he'll always give you a solution when you begin to talk to Jesus you may show him a, a, a roadblock but God says there is an exit on the other side come on God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works on the inside I me mean, there's something working on the inside of you you may can't see it right now but I came to tell somebody he's working something on the inside of you come on he's working something on the inside of you you may not feel it in your body but he's working something on the inside of you the Bible says he who has begun a good work in you shall complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ God never start things and finish it we do that but when God does something he makes sure that he completes it when he got to the cross the Bible says he committed his hand his his spirit into the father and he said it is finished not to be continued and I came to declare in this house that God is putting uh, it is finished over your life this is the last time that the enemy is gonna lie to me about who I am in Christ Jesus. who am I talking to here talking to in this to here that I can't even talk who am I talking to in here this is the last time the enemy is going to fool you out of what God has declared as yours. This is the last time. This is the last time. Brandy, you can come on. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord shifting something in here. Hallelujah. Come on, intercessors. Begin to pray. Come on, begin to pray. I feel the Lord. Hallelujah. There's a shifting that is happening right now. I can feel the hearts I can feel the cries even the silent whispers I can hear them now and the Lord says I'm coming to answer you I'm coming to answer you I'm coming to heal you from the wombs from the words because it's really not what people say about us that hurt us it's what we believe about what they say and there was a womb and they didn't realize it and you didn't realize it at the time but they were speaking to your insecurity when they said what they said to you so it moved you to a place of paralyzation where you found yourself going in a cave you know what you're supposed to be doing you know how God called you you know how he equipped you but because of those words you found yourself feeling stuck but the Lord says I've come to rescue you I've come to rescue you I come to draw you out of the cave Moses drawn out of water I come to draw you out of that place where you have been drowning I come to draw you out of that place where you've been hiding I came to draw you out of that place hallelujah I was gonna talk about what's the aim of the criticism I was gonna talk about what was the purpose what was the objective and how we should respond and I can just tell you those things that we should look at criticism uh, when it comes is it it what's the aim is it growth is it gain is it shame is it something that is causing me to mature or develop then if it's something that's causing me to mature or develop then that's something that I want to be able to receive I want to ask for it hallelujah if it's something that's going to cause me to grow then I may need to start asking people for positive feedback what do you see in me that I need to grow in or that I can come up a little bit higher and then if the goal of criticism was for gain come on what can you learn from it how can you gain something from it because we see as Jesus was on the cross he gained a soul the Bible says that when he began to talk to the criminal and the man began to repent of his sins he said Lord he said that Jesus said to him he said this day you will be with me in paradise and some people argue about where paradise was and where paradise is but I just say simply that it's where Jesus is because the Bible says you will be with me and I'm declaring, some say it's in heaven, some say it was the Garden of Eden, all of these different theories, some say both, but I'm just declaring, I don't know where where uh, many people want to be, but I just want to be where he is. And if this criticism is leading me to where he is, then that's exactly where I want to be. And then the last and final thing was it for shame. Because we notice that when when Herod was speaking in the Bible, if you go back to read it, as Herod was was speaking and asking questions, the Bible said, Jesus answered not a word to him. Because he knew his intent. Now when Pilate asked him questions, he responded. But when Herod said anything to him, he didn't respond. And sometimes there are certain things that does not merit a response. You need to reject it. If it's a word curse, if it's a word that is released to call shame, shame says not that you made a mistake, but it says you are a mistake. And we know according to scriptures, God doesn't make mistakes. Everything he created was good.